0: good morning, Hope Church. Four of you need hope. <laughs> so that's not too bad considering how many of you are here. <laughs> Anyways, I went old school. I brought an actual Bible. And you know There you go. And the reason I brought this Bible is because it's highlighted. And sometimes on my phone, the screen is too small. And then I have my glasses, and it's like this whole big thing. So I brought my Bible because I didn't feel like typing everything out. And I'm excited this morning because there's been a word that's burning in my spirit ever since Pastor Lance asked me if I would speak. Um, and I've been praying for you all. I've had a crazy week. Uh, it's been um, a lot, and a lot of you can relate. Well, three of you can relate, actually. <laughs> Yesterday, my husband and I put our dog down after 13 years. Y'all, that's that was rough. Like, rough. I know maybe some of you aren't dog lovers, but this little guy, man, he was in my life during some of my darkest days, and so even getting up this morning, my routine was kind of off. I'm like, I got to get him outside, and but anyways, I'm not here to talk about my dog. I'm here to talk about the hope we have in Jesus, and so I just actually, can you guys stand with me? Let's just stand. And let's just raise our hands to heaven. Father, I thank you that this is the day that you have made. And Lord, we say as the word says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Every enemy in your life this morning must be scattered at the presence and at the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we want to receive all that you have for us this morning every single thing we do not want to waste and walk away from anything that you have and all God's people said amen Amen. I'm so glad you're in the house so many of you could be at the lake and you're here and so you're gonna be doubly blessed this morning But I'll tell you something, Jess did something, and she has no idea really what the heart of my message is this morning, but she did this, and she bowed. And although I'm not the best at titling sermons, because I have about five, one of the titles was going to be, It's All About the Bow. What I've actually entitled this message is unshakable faith, unshakable confidence, because it's what we need today. And my prayer today is that God will infuse and fuel such a fire in your soul, that the zeal of God will consume you, that your hunger and your thirst for him would ignite That it would ignite you to a different place out of complacency, out of passivity, but into this lane of expectancy, of power, of encounter, where you know that as a citizen of heaven, and if you're not a citizen of heaven, if you don't know Jesus, we'd love to invite you this morning to come to know him. But that you would know that as you get up every morning in the Flathead Valley or wherever you're from, That you are a son and a daughter of God and that life is not meant to just be status quo or normal we are living in a culture I don't know if you're aware of this I believe most of you are where it is a culture of decadence we have compromised values we have compromised our faith we have compromised so many things that the enemy is having a total party He's having a total party. And as believers, it is one thing to acknowledge it and then not to look at it anymore. God has called us in this hour to be a difference maker, to stand up for the things that Jesus Christ paid a high price for. And my message to you today is all about who do you bow to? And I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey. I felt like the Lord gave me two messages. And when I asked him, Father, do you want me to speak both? I, I, they, they, they kind of are their own. And yet he showed me how he wanted to weave it together so that not one of you is without excuse this morning. And this is not a message to make you feel bad in any way. This is such a message of hope, church. This is such a message of hope that the God that we read about, the God that we sang about, that his presence is tangible, that we can come to him at any time the way that we are, where we are, and we can encounter him in the way that we long for. There is an up-and-coming generation that needs to encounter the presence of Jesus. Many of you have known Jesus for years. You know what it is to go after him, and to grab hold of his garment. You know what it's like to get on your knees, but there is a generation who has not experienced that yet. And so you fathers and mothers of the faith, this is a message to move you and provoke you into a place where maybe you have stepped aside. But it is time to stand up with this younger generation that needs to know where the moms and dads are in the body of Christ because God is calling them. God is calling them. I was thinking about this whole abortion topic and I'm, I'm not going to speak about that but I was thinking about when Jesus was to be born. And how there were people in the Bible that knew this information. They sensed that there was a king coming. They sensed that there was somebody coming that was going to change everything about how the world was being run. This message went to the king of that day. And they needed to stop the birth of this child. So every single child under the age of two years old, there was a decree that every child under the age of two would be killed so that whoever this Christ child was would not have a chance to live. Can anybody hear what I'm saying right now? this is about destiny this is about what God has called you to do and just like in the days when Jesus was about to be born we are living in a time when there are destinies that are being aborted at the altar of Babylon because there is a call and a mandate on babies that are are there that, that, that are to be raised up in the house that are going to be world changers this is what happened when jesus was about to be born and it's always been about the bow church it's always been about worship it's always been about who do you give your honor and your value to who will have your heart because whoever has your heart has you whoever has your heart as you. I want to turn to Daniel. I'm going to do a bit of reading here. Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar was a very famous king back in the day. And there were four Hebrew boys that had been taken captive, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not the actual Hebrew names of these boys, but they were forced to give up their actual Hebrew names, and they were given these names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were smarter. They were quick on their feet. They had wisdom. They were... So far ahead of the highest and smartest youths of Babylon at that time that the chief officer to Nebuchadnezzar wanted them in the kingdom. Sometimes God will place you in places as a child of God that feels nothing like the kingdom of God. But he will put you there because he wants to use you there because the agenda is always greater than just your job description. Always. God will use you in a place that feels nothing like him. So at a young age, these boys were taken into captivity. They had some training in the ways and in the culture of Babylon, which were very different than how they were raised. They were raised probably with the understanding of this God that did mighty miracles, won tremendous victories in battle. This was the God that they knew. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar made a golden statue. Get this. You think an 8 by 11 picture frame of yourself is a big deal? This statue was 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. Hello. Pure gold. Pure gold. Can you say narcissism? <laughs> yeah. Oh, when all the officials had arrived and were standing before the image King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, a herald shouted out People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other instruments, bow to the ground to worship. King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, wherever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground, and they worshipped the statue. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. And they said to the king, Long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all of the people to bow down and worship. The decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, whom you, O oh king, have put in charge of the province of Babylon. You have def- they have defied your majesty by refusing to serve your gods or to worship the gold statue you have set up. Then King Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. Well, isn't that surprising? You take all that time to build and erect a 90-foot gold statue, and everyone is bowing. But there are three who don't. It wasn't about all the ones that bowed. It was about the three who wouldn't. If King Nebuchadnezzar was here in this culture, he would not be after your money. He would not be after your fame. He would not be after your Instagram followers, your Facebook followers, or TikTok. And if you're under the age of 35, Snapchat. He's not interested in any of those things. Neither is the enemy of the name of Jesus Christ interested in that. What he's interested in is your worship. It's always been about your worship. It's always been about the bow. It's always been about the calling on your life. It's always been about that. Matthew chapter 4 Jesus is in the desert Satan approaches him what does he say if you will bow I will give you all the nations of the world even back then he wanted worship one of the primary reasons the reason Satan fell from heaven is because he wanted worship You know, as worship leaders and my husband were worship leaders for a year, it's a scary thing that the very first person to be kicked out of heaven was a worship leader. It's an awesome thing to stand in that place and honor our God. And we have an incredible worship team that knows what it means to stand in that place this morning. King Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage, and he went and approached these three Hebrew boys. And just so you know, they were not old men; they're called the three Hebrew children. When I did a little bit of study, they're actually anywhere from the ages of 21 to 28, kind of in there. They were maybe 11, 13 when they were first taken captive, and so these were young adults. Do we have any YWAMers here this morning? yeah my people come on right zealous young men and women so Nebuchadnezzar approaches them and he says to them if you bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of music all will be well really But if you do not, you will immediately be thrown into the fiery furnace. And what God will be able to rescue you from my power then? Isn't this the mockery that we hear day in and day out? Who is your God? Did he really say? Can he really do? If he is so good, then how come this and this and this? We hear about it all the time. All the time. The three Hebrew boys were hit with this hard. I mean, they weren't just going to go into prison. They were going to be thrown into a lake of fire. I love this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. You know, I really don't even know if they said it like how I just said it. They may have said, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. But they, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. There's freedom in that line for you, church. You do not need to defend yourselves before others or your God. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. And here's the line. But even if he doesn't, can we just pause there for a moment? There's many of you that are facing a fiery furnace today. You're facing some trials, you're facing some issues. It might be in your job, it might be in your marriage. You might be contending for somebody who's really sick. You're believing, you are standing, you are praying. The enemy comes to tempt you, to mock you because your faith doesn't look like it's working. You feel like you're being put on the spot that you somehow need to defend yourself. And like the three Hebrew boys, We don't need to defend you, O King, with the 90-foot statue that has everybody bowing but us. The lake of fire doesn't look very inviting. In fact, it's frightening. It's frightening. But our God is able to rescue us. But even, even if he doesn't, Even if he doesn't, you can be sure, Your Majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Church, this is what we're being faced with today. Will you bow? to the pressures of this world, to the distorted image of the demonic that infiltrates through the value system that the world is bowing to will you bow as well because if you want to experience the fourth man in the fire if you want to experience the breakthrough that you're crying out for if you want to experience the supernatural things that God said that he would do in your life if you want to walk into all of those things that he has promised you if you have a burning desire to see the sick healed to see the dead raised to see things in your life that look completely hopeless but in that place where you're facing the fiery furnace you can experience the power and the presence of God that other people are going to see because you refuse to bow. Church this is what's happening today. We are being faced with this decision young people are being faced with this decision. My kids never experienced growing up in school with the kinds of things that the young children today are having to face. This is the world today. It is. You can smell roses and eat cotton candy, but the truth is, if we don't Make a decision of where we're going to go in this life. We will all be going to hell on a slip and slide. I know it's kind of an awkward visual. (laughs) That's what came out. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, thank you. And so the three Hebrew children were thrown into the fiery furnace. In fact, it was so hot that it said that the officials that were there to throw the man actually burned. They died. They died. It was so incredibly hot. I can't even imagine what that moment must have been like. Nebuchadnezzar, because of the narcissist that he was, and he was power hungry and anti God, he was watching to see what would happen. And suddenly, as he was watching, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Hey, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, we did. Well, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound. Woo! Listen, not only did he see a fourth man, but the boys that have been thrown into this fiery furnace were not bound. That is powerful. Whatever you will go through, whatever God is calling you to, whatever it looks like in the face of opposition, when you choose to walk with Jesus Christ at all costs, You will find yourself in a place where others are looking and going, I don't get it. I don't understand it. This should have taken them out. This should have slowed them down. This should have made them compromise their faith. But not only do I see them walking, I see them walking unbound. You can be free in the middle of the fiery furnace and the trials of your life. You can be free. The heat and the pressure of the fire that you are facing does not mean that you are going to be shackled and bound in that place of opposition and heat. There is a mighty promise to you this morning. Such a promise. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And you know, it even gets better. As Nebuchadnezzar was like, get them out of the fire. Get them out. And so he says to them, come out. Come here. I was telling Tim, I'm like, you know, the very men that threw them in the fire were burned up. And now here's Nebuchadnezzar telling them to come out. How did they even get out? I don't think anybody dared to go close to that heat they came out on their own and they didn't smell like smoke they didn't smell like smoke oh Lord Jesus what a beautiful image of your faithfulness and of your care of your care not only did they not smell like smoke but King Nebuchadnezzar was so incredibly amazed at what he had just encountered that he sent out another decree that anybody in Babylon if they would speak against the God of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego their limbs would be torn apart because this is The true God and then he turned to the boys and he promoted them could it be that the very enemy that comes against you will also be the very one that God will use to promote you to the next level that God will use to speak a word that not only promotes you and not only brings you out of an encounter with the fourth man in the fire but it changes those around you it wasn't just about the three hebrew children do you understand that it was about babylon it was about that this very king who had erected a statue that demanded and required your worship set out another decree Elevating and declaring the true God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the entire kingdom knew about it. God has a way of putting things into place where his name will be magnified and glorified. It isn't just about the things that we say yes to. When we say yes to God in the middle of our trials, we are saying yes to to the generations as you are sitting here this morning I ask the Lord to remind me of what he sees and he continually reminds me that every face that I see there are faces behind yours there are grandchildren that are there are great-grandchildren there are babies that have yet to be born there are grandmothers there are grandfathers there are generations do you get that what we decide today will affect the generations to come your decision is so far-reaching and this is where the enemy wants to trip us up all the time we just think we're saying yes for our individual circumstance but we're saying yes to a generation we're saying yes to those we haven't even seen yet but God has God has this is why your life and your choices are so important. Who has your heart? What are the things that you are bowing to? Is it the king of kings? Because I'm telling you right now, Babylon is where we're living in this current age. We are living in a type and a shadow of Babylon where the enemy craves your bow, where the enemy craves your worship, where the world demands your worship and your attention, but the only one that is worthy of our worship and the only one that is worthy of her bow. His name is Jesus. And he is the king. And he is the king of glory. And he is the one that we say yes to. We say yes to. He is the one worthy of your bow. I want to quickly take you to the next story. I feel like I could have a B3 organ right now. I know it's just the first service, but I'll tell you what. I am feeling the power and the presence and the passion of God for a generation that is ready to walk into the fullness and the wholeness that God has for them. John chapter 4, the woman at the well before I go there some of you may be like I wasn't trained in the ways of God I didn't know I've made some decisions in my life that I'm not proud of there's some things that I've done that I don't like that I wish I could change there's some things in my life that can continually come up in my face I'm not like the three Hebrew boys I wasn't raised in the ways of God I've bowed my knee to things that were not worthy of my bow. In fact, when I bowed, they took the life out of me. John chapter four, you guys know the story, the woman at the well. What I love about this story is that Jesus goes counterculture. Why is it I like that so much? Man, he was not doing the status quo. Here's a woman at the well. A Samaritan woman. A Samaritan woman. She was an outcast. She'd been with five other men. The guy she was with that day wasn't even her husband. In fact, when I did a little bit of study on it, Usually the women would come early in the morning, and there would be a whole entourage, and they would come and they would draw water. And it was kind of like a social event. But she didn't come early in the morning. She came at midday. And the heat of the day, the heat of the day. Wow. The heat of the day. She came alone by herself. To draw water. What does that tell us about her? Well, that she was probably the talk of the town, that nobody wanted to hang out with her, especially the women. She was judged, she was totally judged, scorned. She came to draw water, and here's a moment that changed her life forever. And Jesus sits by that well. And He asks her for a drink. He says like I'm thirsty. Can you give me a drink? The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied If you knew the gift God has for you and who I am, you would ask me and I would give you living water. If you knew the gift I have for you and who it is that is talking to you, you would ask me for living water. If you knew the gift that I have for you and who it is that is speaking to you, you would ask me. If you knew, if you knew, if you knew how many times did we not know and he still comes day after day to the well of our heart where we sit alone in silence in shame in rejection because we have bowed to the lies and the talk that people have spoken over you and about you and there he is faithful reminding you if you really knew who it is that is talking to you. The same God that was there when the three Hebrew children were thrown into the fiery furnace, that fourth man that was in the heat of the fire with them is in the heat of the day when you are drawing water because you are thirsty. You are parched. You are needing living water. You have had a lifestyle that you want nobody to know about. You don't want anybody judging. You're sick to death of the play reel that goes on over and over in your mind about the things that you have done and it beats you down because you can't seem to get it right and yet in that place Jesus comes and says if you knew who is speaking and the gift that I have for you you would ask me and I would give you living water and you'll never thirst again now what does that even mean do you understand that what she had been thirsting for was connection was relationship was validation was hope was purpose she had been thirsting for that her whole entire life and nothing was able to fill that void nothing unlike the three Hebrew children who had been raised With the stories of the God of power this woman at the well finally encountered Jesus himself it is the first time that Jesus actually says I am he I am the Messiah the first time he discloses that is to a Samaritan woman that nobody wanted to hang out with counterculture let me tell you something there is hope for the world there is hope for you there is a plan and a purpose for your life whether you grew up in church or whether you know nothing about church you are wanted you are worth stopping for you are valuable you are the one that Jesus is talking to this morning if you could know who it is that is talking to you and the gift that he has for you you would be asking Give me of that living water so that I don't have to thirst anymore. That is what he has come to do this morning. And how powerful. How powerful. What I love about this story, which is very different from the Hebrew children, but very similar, is that there was a greater purpose to even what Jesus did then. She has this conversation with Jesus and she is so moved that he would stop for her and acknowledge her that she gets up and she runs into the village of the very people that had judged her and scorned her and she tells them, hey, let me tell you about a man. And they're like, another one? Is that number six now, lady? Because we know your story. She didn't care. She was free. Because I'll tell you what, when shame holds you down, you don't want anybody to know your business. This woman was so free that she ran into the village, talked to the very people that had judged her, and said, you've got to come and meet a man who knows everything about me. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want everybody to know everything about me. And she proudly declares it. Freedom looks like that. Freedom looks like you in the heat of the fire, unbound. That's freedom. Boldness. Boldness confidence, unshakable faith to go back to the very ones that pointed their fingers at you and without blame and without hatred and without bitterness and without offense, you say I don't have to defend myself to you. My God is able but even if he doesn't and then here's the invitation if you knew who it is that is talking to you today, you would ask me and I will give you living water and you will never thirst never thirst and then you run back and tell everybody and then the three hebrew children come out of the fire and king nebuchadnezzar the narcissist that he was who had erected this statue was so blown away that he makes a decree and he promotes those three hebrew boys and the woman at the well runs and becomes the first female evangelist I'll tell you what, tell me about the traditions of man and the cultures that would keep you bound in Jesus' name. God is coming for a bride. He's coming. He's coming. And His love for you is so intense, so intense. And your bow to Him. Is everything, everything. There is a move of the Spirit of God that is beginning to happen. I hear its sound. It's like a locomotive engine. I'm hearing it. It's like like a jet engine. It's getting louder and louder. It's beginning to move across the globe. It is actually coming with great force to Montana. It's going to hit this church in full force and God is going to do miraculous things that many of you have prayed for. I've come here this morning to activate your faith to remind you that he is the same God that parted the waters that sat with the woman at the well that came into the flaming fire as the fourth man that called Lazarus out of the grave is this not the God that you serve are you clapping for him or your mother-in-law I can't tell the difference this is King Jesus we saying about it your kingdom come your will be done you want your life to matter this is how that happens husband was in YWAM for seven years? Tell me, one of you, what is the mission of YWAM in a sentence? Any one of you? you To know God and to make him known. Can I ask you that whole row of YWAMers? Could you come to the front? This is a different kind of heat. The reason I'm singling you out is because I didn't know if you'd be here at the first or second service, but the Lord showed me on Friday night as I was praying for this service a group of Wywammers that had come because you have a passion and a zeal in your heart to know God or you wouldn't be here. You've sacrificed some things to show up because there's a hunger and there's a thirst. You've given up some things and you're like, whatever, I'm here. And Jesus has seen this. There are others of you here that are in the same place. I'm addressing this generation because this is the up-and-coming generation and they need moms and dads. And so the word of the Lord to you this morning is that the sacrifices that you have made, you will reap a hundredfold over. Because what God is asking you to do is not just attend another DTS, another Bible school, another study. You are here this morning because you've been handpicked to show up because he's showing up in each and every one of your lives he's going to do something young man i just thank you lord for the gift and the power i see on him right now i thank you that you're breaking off every timidity everything that has come against him and i thank you that the call of god on his life is that of a Jewish young man such as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where you will not bow. You will not bow. You will not bow. Father, I thank you for the message that is in his heart. Tim, if you would come up behind him. Tim is my husband. He's been a part of YOM. I'm going to ask him to just pray for you while you're standing here. I could speak over all of you right now, but know this. That God is going to do the things that have not been done like you thought he was going to do them. But he will show up for you. He will show up for you. He will show up for you. If there are others of you this morning, and you need to deal with some things that you have bowed to, God is calling you. God is calling you so that we can be holy and pure and say yes to those things if that's you this morning and you're like God I am facing a fiery furnace or God I at, I'm the woman at the well but I hear you I hear you and I want to know you I'm asking you to come to the front I'm not into the whole, you know, now we're going to end and now we're going to pray. No, the time is now. You are welcome now to come to the front. And I'm asking those men and women that have walked with Jesus to come and stand behind every one of these right now. And let's pray over them. Prayer team, are you guys okay with that? God is singling you out because there's something about this generation. This altar is open this morning to any of you that want to come forward and just surrender. It's between you and God. It's between you and God. If you knew who it is, that is really talking to you this morning you would ask him for living water so that you don't have to thirst again young woman young man young person old person i hate to call you an old person i'm like halfway in the middle god is calling you this morning and reminding you why he is worthy of your bow because he's the only one that will show up in the fire for you he's the only one that will come and sit at the well and have a conversation with you when no one else will that's my Jesus that's my Jesus Father, we ask you to fill us up. We ask for the power of your spirit this morning. Lord, I thank you for these young men and these young women that have said yes to you. The cry of their heart is the mission of YWAM to know you. And you said, if you knew who it is that is speaking. Father, I thank you for answering that call. I thank you. You are King Jesus, you are mighty.